listening to the CD Baby. CD Baby. CD Baby. DIY Musician Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 136 of the CD Baby DIY Musician Podcast. My name is Kevin Bruner, your host for the show, and I just want to start off by saying thanks to everyone who's been contributing to the podcast by way of comments on the podcast website or through email and phone calls. We really do want to make this an interactive experience and enjoy hearing from the community and everyone listening out there and hearing their experiences and seeing what they have to say about the issues at hand. And, uh, you know, we've got another Roundtable Edition podcast, most likely, coming up next. So you still have time to get your thoughts and comments in. So if you'd like to call our listener line, that number is 360-524-2209. Our email address is podcast at cdbabypodcast.com. And like I mentioned at the podcast website, you can weigh in in the comments for each show in the show notes. And uh, if you want to hit me up on Twitter... My handle is just at kbruner, um, first letter of Kevin and my last name. So uh, join in on the conversation. It's more fun when we all hang out together. So now you know how you can do that. On today's episode, you're going to hear my interview with Mary Gaucher. It was nice. Mary actually came by the CD Baby headquarters and played for us uh, a few songs for the staff here. And it was just great to actually do an interview in person. Most of them are over the phone. Mary's story is very inspiring. She didn't even start her music career until she was 39 and uh, has been signed to a label and after that experience has chosen the path of independence and you're going to hear about how she built a team and also hear about her new album. I think the way she presents uh, the story behind the making of her new album is a great example about how you can use that story of the album and the creation process to really get people interested in the music you're creating and want to hear that album. I know that's what it did for me. So you're going to hear all about that in my interview with Mary. So let's get to it. Hey there, I'm Kevin here at CD Baby. And uh, joining me today is Mary Gaucher, stopping by the CD Baby headquarters. Mary, it's great to have you. CD Baby World Headquarters. How many titles here? Uh, Four million. <laughs> and they're right on the other side of this wall, too. So, so yes, lots of artists here. It's, it's great to be interviewing you at CD Baby. Normally I have to do these over the phone because we're in Portland and, you know, so secluded from the rest of the world. But uh, you're playing tonight. Uh, where are you playing at? The Aladdin Theater. Excellent. Um, so you've been an independent artist for a while and have grown quite a reputation of diehard fans and just kind of go in the way of the independent artist. And uh, we'd just like to hear about, first of all, tell us about how the, the current tour is going. I know you're on tour by yourself this this time doing solo. Yeah. Uh, kind of tell us about how the tour is going. And, and uh, you've got a new album, too, you can talk about. Yeah, yeah. We released um, a record called Trouble in Love through CD Baby and Alliance um, June 15th. Uh, of this year, 2014, and so I've been on the road all of June into July now. I'm going to be on the road till the end of November, uh, and it's going to keep going after that, of course, but wow. I'm on the road wow, all over Canada, um, England, Ireland, Scotland, Italy, uh, Norway, Holland, all over the states, uh, East Coast, West Coast, Middle, South, North. I'm I'm road dogging it, <laughs> uh, and um, you know I'm carrying CDs uh, with me on the uh, 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 
on on the dates and people are buying them after the show. You know, yeah. uh, they're not dead at all. Uh, you yeah. know, they may not be selling in stores like they used to, but they sure do sell at shows. At least mine. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, you're you're out on the road. Got a new album. How how is is has the business been shifting for you some, or where you're seeing revenue streams come from, or is it still you know uh, been the same old sell CDs at the shows, and now we just get download money and streaming money. Um, partly why I ask is because you're, you're, you know, you're in the uh, the songwriter community, the Americana community, and and those are diehard fans. And uh, just kind of curious if what you're experiencing is different than what we hear about in the the mainstream music industry, as far as like the top forty artists are struggling here or there. Yeah, I think my experience is different. I think, first off, we should just state the obvious. I'm older, and, and so my fans are generally older, and uh, um, they want a hard copy of mm. the record. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they'll buy it uh, at the shows, and that's generally where I sell it. Um, through my CD Baby account, uh, it's almost all downloads, which is fine. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm awesome with the downloads. You know, there's no problem with that. Um, th that has changed totally. Yeah. Uh, but the day-to-day -day life in terms of, of playing shows and going to the table after, meeting people, uh, T-shirts, CDs, and vinyl, it's, it's, it keeps my, me in business. It, and I don't see it getting any um, uh, smaller than, than it was. It's, mm. it's about the same. If you go out and sign them, meet people, they want to have, first of all, they want to help us. Mm -hmm. Artists, they want, the fans want to help us. Um, and I love the uh, sort of Amanda Palmer approach. All we have to do is let them, mm -hmm. you know. So um, uh, that's what I do. I let them help by by going to the table and and uh, uh, talking to folks and signing stuff and meeting people. Is there anything specifically that you're doing on the road that you feel is working and connecting with fans that uh, that you know you've seen? Hey, I this this when I do this it. The fans seem to respond. Besides writing great music, oh, thank <laughs> well, something I've tried new this year that I've never done before is going to the table before the show. Oh, and I always thought you had to make a big entrance on stage and sort of hide prior to coming out. And then I realized that that's some sort of show business misconception that I got in my brain for reasons I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I find that if I go to the table before the show, people will come up and they'll start buying. Mm -hmm. And uh, I found out, well, I didn't find out, but I, I discovered this, this new way of doing things because I played a show where Kinky Friedman had been. And the promoter said, hey, Kinky Friedman ordered 150 books delivered to this little coffee shop. Uh, um, and... Um, he sat there as people were coming into a show and signed and sold the books as they were entering. Hmm. He sold every one of them. Wow. Like, okay, if the kinkster can do it, <laughs> I can do it. And, and ever since then, I just demystify the whole thing. I'm not on a star trip. Mm -hmm. I don't need to make a big entrance. And, and I want to meet the people. I, I, I want to take down that, that barrier um, and, and, and in a way shake the hand of every fan that I have and get them on board for real for, for every record that I make. And so meeting people is the key, I think, for mm -hmm. me. Uh, and that's that's my new thing, and it's working. Mm, that's good. It's <laughs> good. So you're out on, we were talking before we started recording, that you're out on tour, and you're, you're actually going solo this time. You don't have a band. But I, I'm assuming that you probably have a decent-sized 
team working for you, helping you? I do. Explain what, what all the pieces are that you have in place and, and how you know you kind of manage that day to day. Okay, so if you don't have a record deal, you've got to be a record company. Mm. And um, for me, uh, I'm, a, I'm a long time, since the very beginning, CD Baby customer. Mm. All my titles are available through CD Baby, except the two that I got signed to a major label. So there's six here. Mm. Uh, and um, if my lawyers are successful in getting those two back, we're working on it. <laughs> They're going to be running through here as well. Um, so uh, tell me how that goes, because uh, I'm got a couple I want to get back myself. <laughs> well, I think the way it works is you have to license it from yeah, them. Yeah. They're going to own it. Yeah. Um, but uh, they will issue a license, and you have to pay. But yeah. but I want them. I want them. You know. Yeah. Um, so um, they're manufactured here and sold uh, through here. Uh, and Alliance gets them in the stores through CD Baby, uh, and CD Baby gets the 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 uh, the MP3s through all of the possible different worldwide web mm. locations that I don't even know about. <laughs> Aside from Amazon and iTunes, there's about 500 billion others, um, and so there's that part. Mm -hmm. Now, to get people to find these, you need a publicist. So, um, I've got this amazing publicist in Nashville that that I really trust and like who does CD release publicity, which is different than road press. Mm -hmm. um, but they do both. But the CD release publicity is much more expensive. A release uh, can cost you uh, quite a bit of money monthly, but you've got to have the publicist and you've got to have a great one. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they lower the fee for the monthly fee uh, as you go into just road press and the release cycle is, is over. Uh, so the publicist is part of the team. Uh, radio promoter, you've got to have somebody calling those stations and getting them to play the record. So I've got a radio promoter. I've got a person providing management services who oversees all of this and does uh, about 100,000 other things, um, including fixing broken things that, that were broken by me. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh-oh, I booked tonight's hotel accidentally in 2016. Um, I, I don't know what happened there, but uh, I'm stranded. It happens. <laughs> when you're booking that many hotels, it all happens. I'm stranded. Help. Um, yeah, the, the, uh, the things that I make mistakes, she, she helps fix. Um, she oversees um, uh, the whole deal. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a, a web person who does my uh, uh, website construction and the uh, code, uh, the workings of the, uh, the code for the site. I do my social media. Uh, and I'm I'm a big proponent of artists doing their own social media because mm -hmm. I think the fans can tell. Mm -hmm. So I'm in a dialogue with the fans, and uh, it's daily. Mm -hmm. uh, two Facebook pages and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and and uh, so I'm, I'm all over that. Um, what else have I not mentioned? Uh, there's a booking agent who gets me the tour dates. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a person who does the day sheets that gets me to the shows and tells me what time load-in is, what time uh uh dinner is whether there's a dinner buy all of the things that uh, i need to know on a daily basis what time to check out at the hotel um and uh there's there's a uh, different agent in different countries so each different country in europe has a different agent um and um t-shirt t-shirt manufacturers you guys are getting into vinyl hey yeah, we're uh, now, now making some vinyl. Ah, I'm so happy. <laughs> that's, that's been a big problem. It's yeah. to, to find a competent vinyl manufacturer yeah. that will deliver on time instead of six months after the release. Yes. It's yeah. been a nightmare. And so I'm so happy you guys are doing vinyl. I yeah. highly recommend. Um, 
um, running it through here. That's what I'll be doing. Yeah. Um, and so that's a whole other thing. The person who designs the artwork for the vinyl and the artwork for the CD. There's a lot of people on the team. Wow, you do have that is a that is a large team. I mean, the only thing missing is that you know it would be a record company, which you don't need. So <laughs> or one or one, yeah. Or one. Go. You mentioned uh, the the radio uh, promoter for an artist in your genre. What what are they? What stations are they going after? I'm just curious. Well, um, um, I'm Americana, yeah. uh, but I'm also folk, and so it's Americana slash folk. There's a lot of folk stations. Um, there's there's uh, a lot of Americana stations, mm -hmm. uh, and they probably are all getting about a thousand CDs a day. So how do they know which ones to listen to? Well, they listen to radio promoters that they trust and have long-term relationships with, and they'll take mine out of the bottom of the thousand CD a day pile and put it on the top and give it a try. So what stations? Um, uh, WDVX, Knoxville, W, uh, uh, what's that station in New York City that uh, is so important? Um, Rita Houston is uh. the is the program manager, and and uh, I've just spaced out on the name of <laughs> that's it. That's all right. Uh, but it's University Station that uh, is very important in New York. It's the only station that'll play someone like me, so mm, it's vital. Yeah. Um, and and John Platt is the jock that that will play it, um, and it's a folk it's a folk show, hmm. you know. Uh, it's WFUV, um, and um, uh, you know there's K Pig out in in Santa Cruz, California. They call it Freedom, California. Yeah. Um, there's there's stations throughout the country that will play this, yeah. and uh, they just need to be spoken to. Uh, I could do it, but I, uh, there is no free time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, when is the right time for an artist to start assembling a team? When did you find that you needed to start putting together these folks? Um, well, uh, for me, uh, it, it, it it's... It's been a process of um, my first CD, I didn't need a team. My second CD, I needed someone to help me get gigs. My third CD, I needed someone to, to help me um, uh, f with booking uh, the, the, the hotels and the day-to-day and -day stuff because I'm not good at it. I, I, I have a, a dyslexic streak and I'll type in the wrong numbers and book the wrong dates yeah. and get the wrong... F I've shown at the airport so many times for the wrong flight, the wrong day. <laughs> you know, I'm, I got an artist brain, and, and uh, it's very hard to get that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the team was built almost like one record at a time. Yeah. How did you start finding these folks in a way, you know, you mentioned that you trust these these people. How how did you make those connections and find people that you trust? Oh, well, I went to music conferences and started mm -hmm. talking to people. Um, I went to the Folk Alliance. I got my first booking agent at the Folk Alliance. I'm um, just sitting at the bar. He was holding court, talking to people, and I found that a lot of the best connections at these conferences are made at the bar. Uh, you just sit there and buy drinks and start talking to people. and, and uh, Buy them more drinks so they start talking more. Exactly. <laughs> you know, buying people drinks and not drinking. But um, finding out, uh, hey, man, who books artists like me and how do I get into the Edmund and Folk Festival? I want to play Newport. How do I get into Newport? How is that done? And, mm -hmm. and start talking to people uh, and developing relationships with people first before you ask them to do anything. Um, and... Uh, 
Um, you know, the Americana Music Conference in Nashville is a great way of meeting people that uh, can help your career. You know, there's a lot of agents that go to those conferences. Uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, record companies that go to those conferences. If you want a record deal, mm -hmm. the companies are there. You can start meeting them uh, and seeing if it's right for you. I, mm -hmm. I think record deals have been very good to me. I, I, I said I don't want a record deal, yeah. but that's now. Yeah. Now that a record company has poured, I don't know how much money into branding me. Yeah. You know, I would say Universal Lost Highway probably put a million dollars into branding my name. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they probably lost $950,000, <laughs> which I'm deeply grateful I don't have to repay. Yeah. Um, so today I don't need it, but I sure needed it in the beginning. To get yeah. your name known is a very hard thing. Yeah. Let's talk about the, the new record. I was reading about uh, the recording of it, and it seemed like you you had a unique process. You wanted to do something different this time around. Um, tell us a little bit about how those, how, what, what the vision was for it as far as the recording yeah, sessions. Yeah, well, this is the first one I've co-produced. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I'm, until this record, didn't think of myself as a record producer. Um, but I knew what I wanted. And um, my dear friend and mentor, Fred Eaglesmith, told me to find the best engineer uh, on earth and team up with them. And uh, we can make the record together. Mm -hmm. He said, to produce a record, you don't need to know what all those dials are on that board. What you need to know is what you want uh, the band to sound like. And, and the feelings behind the songs um, can be trans, you know, transmitted by the band's playing. And you know, you know that part. To capture the sounds, that's an engineer's job. Mm -hmm. So it's okay, I'll try. And um, um, we went into the studio. I, I picked Patrick Granado mm -hmm. in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, and we went into the studio with this idea. Let's do it the old-fashioned way. Let's record a tape. Let's record in mics from the 50s. Let's do live takes, no punches. Let's see if we can do it the way they did it back when Frank Sinatra was recording. Let's go back in time uh, and, and, and try to capture the emotion of these songs. Uh, not perform the emotion, but catch the emotion, mm -hmm. capture it. So um, that's what we did, and we recorded to tape. He had a big box of, of tapes that he had saved over the years, and um, it was something to do it that way. Tape breaks, you know, tape yeah. players had the rollers melted down. We had, <laughs> you know, old-fashioned problems. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it was interesting when I was reading about it that uh, – you didn't even give the, the musicians charts ahead of time, according to what I read online. Yeah, no charts. No charts, no punches, no rehearsals. And mm -hmm. you just, just wanted to capture the, the live emotion, which I, I was listening to the record, and I think, I think you achieved. And it's been something I've been thinking a lot about lately, like with the Pro Tools world and endless tracks, we've gotten to a place where kind of can feel soulless in the record because it just goes on and on, and you're just so precise. But... Yeah, went, that's, instead that's, of just like getting five or six people in the room and actually that the, the interaction between the way they play, there's something special about it and I capturing so that. Yeah. I think it's the humanity. Yeah. Everybody can make a perfect record now. Um, and, and where we are with that is, is that uh, y you, can, you can lose the soul. Mm -hmm. you know, and I think the job of songs is to, is to connect souls. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and this particular set of songs that I, I released on Trouble and Love, 
Um, I was vulnerable. This is the breakup record of all breakup records, and I wanted the artist who played on the record to be as vulnerable uh, as possible when they recorded them, because it, this whole song cycle is about human frailty and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want a performance of vulnerability. I wanted vulnerability. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a tentativeness, uh, and then there's a coming together, um, and it's, it, it captures what feels like a live uh, performance, because it is a live performance. Mm -hmm. You can feel it when it locks in, like on stage, and everybody becomes one. And, and we get to that place that I like to call blast off, mm -hmm. where ego goes away, you're no longer watching yourself. You're no longer thinking about what other people are thinking about you. You're just in it. Mm -hmm. You're in it, and and you're one. And um, that's what we were going for, and that's what we got. Yeah. And it takes a couple of takes to get there, yeah. and there's little mistakes because it's never perfect. Yeah. Uh, but I think that makes it real, and I think real is more important than perfect, particularly on these songs. Yeah. Well, it, it sounds great, and of course, you had some amazing players on the record, and Doesn't they, hurt. They're, they're they're littered about in Nashville. Um, <laughs> they're <but> everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, but that actually, when I read that, it, it it was cool on a couple levels. One, as an artist myself, kind of thinking, yeah, that would be nice to just record in that fashion and just really strip it down. But also, I thought it was a great usage of how you told the story about the record, which a lot of artists are terrible at. They just say, I've got a new record, go buy it. But you, the, the way you were talking about how the songs came together and the record came together made me want to hear it. And I think that's just as important as you know how you talk about the record makes people want to even listen to it in the first place. And I thought you did a good job with that. Well, thank you for saying that. Um... Uh, I, I may be wrong, but I think we need a reason for a record now, mm -hmm. you know? If you're going to put out a record, there, need, there needs to be something that connects those songs other than just that I wrote them. Yeah. You know, so um, every record obviously can't, can't be a, a concept record, but there needs to be a unifying, unifying story, and it's got to be uh, uh, something that the media can grab onto quickly, uh, and just copy and paste into wherever they're doing their thing, mm -hmm. you know. So, so uh, it needs to be done as a soundbite almost. Why is this a record, and why should I care? Mm -hmm. uh, and you need to—I would suggest to the artist listening—you need to think about that and write a couple of paragraphs, and then uh, edit it down to one paragraph, so that you can answer that question quickly and easily because it's important. Mm -hmm. If you're going to try to present a record. Um, there needs to be a reason for a record as opposed to a single. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How many days did it take you to record the record, recording that way? Five days. Five days. Mostly like three or four takes? or Three or four takes. And then and that was it and moved on? Moved on to the next one, yep. And and very little editing. I'm assuming no editing whatsoever. You can't edit tape. <laughs> well, <laughs> well you, they, they have uh, razor blades. I've done that in the studio before. Yeah. Very little editing. Yeah, yeah. And no punches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, um, I know you do a lot of uh, mentoring with folks on songwriting, and uh, you you wrote a very nice nice article for our blog that got a lot of attention, both from your fans and from uh, the artist community as well. And it was uh, uh, some people loved it, thought it was like a breath of fresh air. Other people thought it was depressing, but uh, or d kind of like didn't have this like heartwarming ending to it but I found it very very inspiring um, because I think I think when you deal with the realities of being an artist and 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 not only I you know maybe when I was 20 I would have 
thought differently, but I'm much, much older now. And, uh, and the idea of that it's, it's just something that's a part of you that's never going away and kind of looking at it felt more like you're looking at it from that perspective. But um, I had a couple quotes here from it. I wanted to, wanted to talk about that. Uh, um, one of them was you, you said, the object of art is not to make saleable products. It's to save oneself and to be part of saving us all. Either we tell our story or our story tells us. Um, I think the the one thing that was interesting to me within a lot of the tone of what you're writing about is more of like uh, writing music from an authentic place. And I think a lot of times now with the access artists have, um, it's easy to make something in Pro Tools. It's super easy to get it out to the world and try to sell it. That sometimes those things get flipped on their on their head. They do, and we end up with songs that are so so boring. <laughs> so. So boring. And he here's the thing. This was written in the spirit of Rilke. I was asked to write a letter in the spirit of the Rilke letters to the young poet. Mm -hmm. uh, that gives it a context. Mm -hmm. Rilke's letters to a young poet um, were, were uh, written in the 1800s, and they're profoundly beautiful. And he mentored this young poet, Rilke the great Austrian poet, mentored this young poet and taught him what he knew through letters about the life of an artist. Mm -hmm. Okay, right there is a qualifier, the life of an artist. Not everyone's an artist. Mm -hmm. We use that word loosely. Uh, and um, um, uh, I think we need to make a distinction between entertainers and artists. Uh, one is not better than the other, but they're different. Yeah. Uh, and and people who, who, who are in the uh, purely entertainment business, looking to sell uh, as many records as they can through the the radio um, and uh, entertain people, this is not a letter for them. Mm -hmm. This is not going to address their needs or their interests. And I wasn't directing it to them. Uh, and they didn't like it, and I didn't expect them to. <laughs> and those are probably a lot of the folks that, that didn't understand where you were coming from or, or maybe... Uh, had a, a, a negative reaction as far as like not, I guess maybe not understanding why you were saying, I mean, for some folks, they struggle with that idea. Like, what? Yeah, I'm going to make art and it's not their music and the point isn't to sell it. You know, I think some people just struggle with that idea and maybe, maybe it's, they're more in the entertainment business. And that's okay. Yeah. I'm not saying this is a higher thing. I'm saying it's a different thing. And in my worldview, the reason we create art is because people need art in order to know they're not alone. Yeah. And artists make sense out of chaos and point to the, the, their work as, as an explanation of something that's generally hard to express. Yeah. And if we could say it directly, we wouldn't need art. So um, in my experience, um, most artists are in the business of soul saving of themselves or other people. And it's a spiritual thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a commercial thing, although there are commercial artists. And of course, pop music can do the same thing. I'm not saying it can't, but we've, we've got a lot of distinctions to make here. Um, and I love how much the haters came out. <laughs> well, uh, there, there was a, another quote kind of along the lines of what you're talking about. Fame, <laughs> fame is a full-time job, so is songwriting. A choice is often required. And I, I, the, the thing I, I liked about that is, is I think a lot of people struggle with the idea of being accepted, and you also touch on that, but also trying to do something 
that they feel is kind of really what's, you know, the creativity that's kind of bubbling within them, just kind of pursuing that or pursuing, you know, what I know will kind of get people out to the show or doing something that I know is more fulfilling. I, I've talked to a lot of artists where they've, they've kind of been in that scenario. I mean, I've been in the recording studio myself where the, the label's saying, we want a song that does this. And I'm like, but that's not what we do. <laughs> and we want to do what, you know, what comes out of us naturally and what we feel passionate about. So to me, that's why I felt like that article was very inspiring because it, it kind of gave people license to be artists and, and, and not focus so much on what everyone else thinks about your music, which artists struggle with. Yeah, and, 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 and I think that it, it, it's a different calling to be an artist um, than it is uh, to be anything else in our, in our society. And, and it's, I think it's a, both a holy and a sacred calling, and I, need it, I treat it with reverence. Uh, we, our job as artists is to say things that no one else is going to say. There is no one else that's going to be speaking the truth the way an artist does. Uh, my heroes are all truth tellers, and they've done their job well, and and they've passed the baton on to the next generation, and the next generation, and 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 so forth. Um, um, and, and at the end of the day, um, I, I think songs can heal, and I think songs are. Or, or, or a form of spiritual medicine that are extremely powerful. There, there's a reason that, that there's, there's people who, who have Alzheimer's and, and can't remember their spouse of 50 years, but know every single word to love me tender. Mm -hmm. Songs go deep, mm -hmm. deep, deep. And I think that there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's spiritual in nature. And that, to me, that's the right use of songs for me. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there's going to be a backlash because there's a lot of people who say that's just not true. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and it's not for them. And I'm not trying to say yeah. that it is. Yeah. And we'll, we'll put a link in the, the show notes uh, for people to check out the article re we're referencing. And we'll put a link in the, in the video as well. Um, kind of changing the topic a little, maybe a little more lighthearted but we love hearing mis <laughs> we love hearing we love hearing mistake stories on the podcast the artist like i did this and i wish i'd never done that or things that uh, i love that too yeah we and, and we've heard some of the craziest funniest things and we've also heard some like oh my gosh what were you thinking type stories but do you have any mistake stories uh, that uh, you want to pass on stupid human mistakes <laughs> <laughs> besides showing up to the airport on the wrong day <laughs> ready to fly out that's a given right <laughs> Wearing the wrong shirt, or uh, uh, like career choices you wish you hadn't made, or hey, if I had if I had do it over again, I would I would have hired this person, not that person, or done this differently, or um, you know. So it doesn't have to be like anything huge. It could be just some some things that you know, looking back, you you wish you had maybe done differently. I made a lot of mistakes. I'm trying to think of the biggest one. <laughs> 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 um, I I think that. And we talk about it in, in this article, once again, the letter to the songwriter. Um, once you start to succeed in this business, your light gets brighter, and it attracts darkness. The light will always attract the darkness. Uh, and, and I think discernment becomes very, very important. Dangerous people will come in. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't love you. They don't care whether you live or die they want a piece of something that you have and they're going to try to grab it mm -hmm. and you cannot see uh, their motives because they're hidden 
those kind of mistakes are very dangerous and they're not funny and I've made them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm learning now to be much more careful. Um, we see people get in deep trouble from this Mm -hmm. and you know, um, I don't even have to name the examples. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. You get surrounded by people who no longer have your best interests at heart. And so as the hard work starts to pay off and the years of struggle and the records and records and records and records, uh, and, and the touring and touring and touring, and suddenly you start to see that that your work, the seeds are are, are growing. Mm-hmm. Then it really gets dangerous, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you've got to be careful. Yeah, you know. I mean, I'm ready now to have a committee, you know, and just run people through the committee before they can come in, you know, yeah. because I can't tell, you know. I'm still I'm still as dumb as I ever was, you know. <laughs> You smile and tell me you love me, and I think you do, you yeah. know, and so I've got to be careful, and I think most artists are the same way. We're yeah. open-hearted. That's why we're artists. Yep. That's a very somber question to a lighthearted, lighthearted answer. I mean, a lighthearted question and a somber answer, but that's <laughs> my nature. I'm a philosophy major. I apologize. <laughs> that's all right. Well, um, do you have any final words of advice for artists out there that... Just any words of wisdom or anything to, to leave the interview on? Well, yeah. I, I think I would encourage the, 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 the songwriters listening to focus on the songs. It's, it's the songs that matter. It's really the songs that matter. And it's the songs that will open the doors for you. Mm-hmm. It's truly not the genes. It, it, it's not the haircut. It, it, it's not the sound of your guitar. Those things matter, uh, but... When your song connects with another person's heart, uh, it does things. Uh, and you connect with a, a lot of hearts through focusing on the song, um, and doors will open that you can't even imagine. It's the songs. Mm-hmm. The music business is an inverted pyramid, and the tip of it rests on the song. And everything else is, is a distraction sometimes. Get the songs right, uh, and the rest will follow. That is the, the focus that I've always had, and I think that's why I've been able to keep going. I think that's great advice and uh, definitely artists should spend time crafting their songs and and worry about everything else after that. I think so. Yeah. Well, thank you for stopping by CD Baby, being on the podcast and letting us shoot some video and you're going to play for us later and we're looking forward to that. Thank you. CD Baby's been a part of my team since I've not even had a team. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we are your team of like 120 people here for you. Thank so. you. Thank you. Love CD Baby. <laughs> thank you, Mary. Well, that's going to do it for my interview with Mary Gaucher. Thanks again to Mary for coming out to CD Baby and uh, hanging out with us here and taking time to, to chat. Her story is very inspiring, and I just uh, think she has so much knowledge to, to share with the independent artist community, and it's just great having her here. If you'd like to weigh in or have a comment or a question that, uh, pertaining to the podcast or just anything else, again, our listener line is 360 524 2209. You can email us at podcast at cdbabypodcast.com or just weigh in at the comments for each episode. I'm, I'm hanging out in the comments section. So, you know, if you're there, I'll be there and, and we can chat. So that's how you can connect. And we love hearing from you and uh, hearing your, your voice and your contribution. So take advantage of that. And uh, we'll be back next time with a roundtable edition of the podcast. See you then.
You've been listening to the CD Baby DIY Musician Podcast, broadcasting from Portland, Oregon, USA. 